Hello, you're listening to the Mr. Money Jar podcast. Mr. Money Jar here. This episode is taken from an Instagram live and has been uploaded in its entirety. This means that some of what you hear may seem odd in an audio format. For example, there might be references to questions that appeared during the live, plus some audience interaction, and very rarely some swearing or audio mishaps. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Oh, welcome to episode 70 of the Mr. Money Josh show on this lovely September evening. We're going to be joined today by Elizabeth, the founder of the Clinic of Marketing, and we're going to be talking about growing your business finances. Normally on the show, we talk about things on the personal finance side, and so I am very happy to have her on the show to talk about business. I think this might be the first time that we've done this, and so uh, we should be in for, um, yeah, we should learn, learn a great deal today. I can see that uh, Elizabeth is already in the chat, so let us welcome her in. Oh, it's warm in here today. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, Timmy. How are you? I'm very good. Good, good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, you're coming through loud and clear, which is actually quite rare. I'm the first time around for a guest. So uh, thank you so much for joining. Um, how, how are you getting on this random September summer that we're having? Well, it's my birthday month, so that's good news for me. Sorry, August babies. So, yeah. <laughs> wicked, wicked. Well, let's, let's dive straight in. Um, do introduce yourself to everyone and let us know a bit, what, a bit about what you do. Yeah, sure. So, hey, everyone. So, like Timmy said, um, you know, I know um, this is a place for personal finance, but I really want to talk about business finance, not in a way of accounting, but the way to generate finance, really, or income, revenue, is through sales and marketing. So, I'm Elizabeth, and I started a clinic of marketing, which we'll go a bit more into, which is a marketing consultancy firm. I started in sales. And when I say sales, I mean door-to-door, selling cooking oil on the roads of Fulham, um, cold calling, you know, telephone, I worked for BT, medical sales, which means you go into hospitals, GPs, and sell medical equipment to doctors. So I've had a very, it's almost harsh sales background experience. But then I realized that um, marketing was my jam, just because a lot of people kept saying the same questions, saying the same problems, saying the same thing. And I thought, you know what, everything can be simplified or easier to sell, to close, to get more revenue if it was done in the marketing stage, which is before sales, which is what I love. I love expressing myself. I love um, serving people in that way. And yeah, that's how I got into marketing, really. And that's a bit about me. That's awesome. Um, just as a quick one, shout out Devin Entrepreneur in the chat. Make some of the uh, the best uh, personal finance reels I've seen at the moment. So thank you very much for joining. Thank you also, Elizabeth, for the introduction. Cooking oil. You're selling cooking oil. Can you name yeah. the brand that you were I, selling? I can't remember the brand, but it was for, well, cooking oil, it was for restaurants. So basically the brief was, and you can tell times were hard because I took that job, but basically <laughs> the brief was, was that, listen, um, we have cooking oil that we want to introduce in the UK. It's probably like two to four litres. So we went to every single restaurant in Fulham because it's quite an affluent area where they identified that a lot of people use, you know, the, you know, poorer cooking oil. And they wanted us, obviously, because they thought that restaurants would be busy during the day, setting up for the night, to not, not go in and just sell it directly. So 
Yeah, I can't remember the brand, but I didn't. I didn't. It, the company didn't last long. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, not not for lack of your efforts. Well, you've gone from cooking all to content creation. Yeah. So it's all good. Um, and what motivated you to start? You you talked a bit in your introduction about how when you were doing it, you noticed that um, marketing was your thing. But before you got started, what motivate, what kind of attracted you to, to marketing? Yeah, so in 2017, I was again doing, I was going to, because like I said, I've done a lot of sales jobs. So I was going to Milton Keynes from London every day, um, cold calling and warm calling, because um, I was in property sales, agents and landlords to get property deals. That was so exhausting. But like I said, I noticed the patterns of what they were asking. And the woman who I was working for, because it was commission only, I was always stressed, <laughs> always yeah. stressed. Um, but the woman I was working for, she had a website. So what she'll say is, if anyone's interested, send them a website. Sometimes the website wouldn't work. Sometimes it didn't have data security or the right security settings. It was very basic. It didn't answer all the questions that the person had. So it, it meant that I would send them the website. I would ask the woman the answer to the questions. Or I would have to write another follow-up email. Like, it just became so frustrating. And that was the moment I said, I'm going to be in marketing. Um, mm. And... I pitched to her to be in the marketing side to be paid because marketing generally isn't a commission only job because you're doing marketing efforts every day, but she rejected it. So from 2017 to 2020, just before the coronavirus started, I just started learning and just started posting and, you know, posting content on my stories on my personal account. And I decided to do marketing jobs to get into it because I've never done marketing professionally. So between okay. 2018 and 2019 I did four marketing jobs to get in get stuck in so that's what got me into it but what got me into the clinic of marketing was literally um by Ashley by Money Medics funnily enough so when oh, um sorry say that again shout out Money Medics shout Have out great... Money Medics they Itch. are amazing so the reason I say that is because uh, March 2020 I was talking to Ashley and um, I didn't do any marketing on the side because of, you know, conflicts of interest and stuff like that. But as she said, you know what, the people need you. People really need to have some tips on how to just sell directly online. So I did some, I posted some tips and I just got so much business from that. I was overwhelmed. So that's where the clinic of marketing was born because people came to me. And since then I started doing it as, you know, a business and, you know, formally. And yeah, that's how it started really. Um, that's awesome. Uh, to the people who've just joined, thank you for joining. We're here with Elizabeth from the Clinic of Marketing and we're talking about business finances. Um, what you might not know, Elizabeth, is that I've actually been um, watching you from afar and it was actually my, my cousin, Rebecca, who told me that your business was doing really well. So uh, me and Elizabeth are both connected by my, my first cousin on my mum's side. So it's just immensely gratifying to hear that your business is doing well and has taken off. You work extremely hard and long may it continue. On to the business finances uh, side of things though. Also, we had a hello in the chat. Hey Gemma, good to see you Gemma. Um, Gemma is another um, podcaster. And thank you to James Buckley Thorpe for buying a badge. Thank You're you awesome. James. <laughs> um, shout out to James, founder of Bequest, um, a previous uh, uh, guest on the show. Anyway, Onto the business finances, what is one of the number one mistakes you see people make with regards to their business finances? Yeah, sure. So when it comes to business finances in respect to marketing and sales, 
the, the, um, what I will say in all, because I want to make sure I say this right, is that businesses, entrepreneurs, founders put more emphasis on the marketing tactics and not the marketing strategy that structures the tactics or the marketing team to deploy it. That's the, by far the biggest mistake. So what I mean by that is people think Instagram in itself is the strategy. People think that Facebook has in itself is a strategy. People think that SEO in itself is a strategy. People think that documenting every day um, your personal brand is the strategy. Absolutely not. It is just <clears throat> the tactic. It's just the hammer to the plumber. It is not the strategy. So if you focus too much on the hammer, you're forcing the hammer on, on everything, which isn't the case. What people need to focus on is, a mark is the marketing strategy. And what I found with small, small businesses is that the entrepreneurs, like yourself, Timmy, like myself, we tend to be the content creators. And that has caused a lot of confusion just because 20 years ago, creating content wasn't a CEO job. Like mm. Apple doesn't create, the CEO of Apple doesn't create content. All of these companies that we look up to don't create their own content. So when we now, in the new age, create content, CEOs and founders are tend to be doing too much in the marketing aspect and don't know mm. how to delegate to their team. So they hire a face, sorry, they hire maybe sometimes a Facebook ads person, a social media manager, a VA, a marketing assistant to do admin, as in cut this video and post it for me. And that's it. That is not a marketing department. That is just someone helping you put content out. There's a lot more that someone needs to do to help you and serve you if you decide to be the content creator. And I think no one's having a discussion um, about how can a CEO who does all the content or most of the content, how can they deploy a team to help them level up that content past admin? So I know it's a lot there, but yeah, there's no strategy. There's no team that is stepping up to doing enough. And there's no like, we believe the tactics are bigger than they are. We're just, we're just using tactics and we don't know why, what, when, who, where. So yeah. Yeah. And it can be very difficult when you start a business. I remember when I first got started, I fell into that trap. Um, I didn't really have a use case for the platform that I put Mr. Money Jar on. And so like I was, I was writing a blog actually, and I was just sort of writing a blog for no one essentially, because I didn't have a strategy behind it. I was just too focused on the tools, like on the hammer rather than what I was using the hammer to do. Yeah. Uh, and after sitting down and giving it some thought, it was like, actually, I need to be on Instagram. And this is the reason why. And then that enabled my platform to grow. So if we go back to the original question, then that then relates to their business finances, because if you're doing too much, I'm guessing as a CEO, for example, I'm guessing you're too busy to grow your business finances. But also if you're not reaching the right people, then you're not reaching enough customers. Is that the, the point we're getting to? Yeah, I'll go, and I'll go deeper. So with um, getting actual revenue, finances, etc., to increase it, there's three stages to marketing and sales. So there's the audience, there's the traffic, sorry, there's the nurturing or interest, and there's people that have actually closed the sale, right? The issue is, is that, you know, let's just use you for example to me. People will say, okay, I want to use Instagram, only Instagram. That in itself is not a problem. But have you identified how you're going to get traffic, how you're going to nurture, and how you're going to close? A lot of people, when they use a social media platform as the hammer, they just focus on some generally the traffic or the lead gen and the content. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. If you ask them, okay, well, how many people do you need to talk to on the phone from Instagram to close? And, you know, I'm going to give you real numbers. Generally, you close 20%, 20 is a good number to, to close. So if you okay. have maybe 
50 people a month um, messaging you, then you want to, so if you want to have five people, you've got, yeah, so, you, yeah, you've got 10 people actually to close every month, whatever that service or product is. That's the kind of numbers you kind of, you kind of need to see and save your team. If only two people are reaching out to you, there is no, people generally don't have any idea how to use Instagram to increase that. And that's where the revenue does and does not come in because they use Instagram. Everyone believes that the source is in the content creation when content creation is literally the first step to someone giving you revenue. So that's also, where the, the gap is. I've also heard the statistic, um, I don't know um, what the, the source is, but that is something like seven interactions that someone needs to have with a brand on social media before they buy it anyway. So you've got that 20% conversion, but then you've also got quite an extended nurturing or incubation phase before you can even close because people don't come on Instagram um, in the same way that they might visit a website like Amazon or something with an intent to buy. They just want to learn something. They just want to take in some content. I don't know, Munya Chihuahua's like <laughs> done the video or something. And then after they sort of get used to your platform and to your content, then they'll feel comfortable enough to reach out to you. And I, I can say this because um, one of the services I offer is coaching, but you actually yeah. need to have a personal relationship with someone before they'll jump on a Zoom call with you or meet you face to face. Great. What are some of the things you can do then? So the flip side of the question mm -hmm. um, to grow your business finances, what are some good kind of general practices there? Yeah, so this is very tactical, guys. So if you need a pen and paper, please get it, you know, laptop, whatever you need, because I'm going to list quite a few things. Um, so just to start off with, like I said, there are three stages. We can call it a funnel. Um, so that's traffic, nurturing, and the actual closing of the sale. What people need to do first is to do a business audit of why you're not getting revenue. I'm not going to say this for everyone, but most people's problem is the conversion between nurture and sale. Or they like even like to the point or sometimes even sale to spying again. Most people have that problem, but they believe that lead generation is the problem because they believe they need more good leads, right? How many times have you heard that? More good people, like 200 isn't enough, 3000 isn't enough. We need more people so we can, um, you know, balance the numbers. No, most people's problem is the end, the opposite. And I say, go backwards. So from how many people have bought from you? How many of those people in a month generally say yes? So maybe you spoke to 50 people. How many of those 50 people actually bought? If the conversion rate is less than 20%, you need to work on that, yeah? So let's just um, suggest 20% per conversion each step. So 20% from sell to, um, from, you know, talking to you to sell, 20% from, um, from nurturing. So what I mean by that is they're showing interest. Depending on your business, this can show up in a lot of different ways. It could be being in the DMs. It could be being on your website and, and you know, booking a form. It could just be anything, anything that gives you cues, right? How many of those people have actually made it to the sales call? Because a lot of people do drop off at that time. And again, this relates directly to, the, to your revenue, your finances, because the more you can, the better the conversion, the more you can close, right? And then from there, audience, traffic, that is the least of many people's worries. Focus on that first. I don't care if you have 100 people following you. I don't care. Because if not one person have reached out to you, then your conversion rate is poor to begin with. And that should start with the sales in mind. So that's the first thing. Do a business audit. Start backwards, sales, nurture and traffic. Okay. So 
what I, the next thing to do is, okay, you've identified that these are the issues. Forget about the social media platform. Again, that's the hammer. That is not the thing to, that people don't, plumbers don't go to business, to whatever school they go to, to learn the dynamics of a hammer and why, do you know what I mean? That's just one module, if that, right? Mm. It's, it's actually funny. What we need to focus on is the marketing strategy as a whole. Tactics such as the social media platform, how to use it is the, is the tool, is the hammer. But what a lot of people don't know is that they don't have a revenue goal, say it's 10K a month, and then they have Instagram. There's no in-between. So they don't know mm. how to relate Instagram to their business goals. Posting every day on social media is not a business goal. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Um, so after you've identified, let's just say that your conversion rate from, from um, actually people buying is literally 2% or something ridiculous. Now, you have the goal of 10K a month, you're making one sale a month instead, right? You need to have nine more people generally buy. What I would say to you is that you need to have something called objectives. This is the bridge between your vision as the CEO to make that money, the revenue, the income, the finances, and the Instagram, the tools, the, social, the SEO, the Facebook ads that you're going to use to get there. Objectives are, is, are exactly what they are. So it's like the goal broken down. Okay, so... I've identified that my um, sales conversion is weak. I've, I'm just making stuff up just to give you an illustration. Yeah. Objectives are literally just ways that you can break down that goal. I need to speak to 20 more people a month because I, need to, I want to get a conversion rate of 50%. And I don't have enough people applying to work with me. So an objective could be have 10 people a month apply for, through my booking form. Speak to 15 people through partnerships because they have my audience just find ways on how you can use get to that revenue goal with all the different with, with the problems you have in mind if that, if that makes sense so there's loads there's like 20 objectives um so once you identify the objectives let's just say you, your problem is is that not enough people are seeing the application page so literally no one's going to link in bio um not enough people are actually seeing your post for some reason let's just say for example and three, people don't even really understand your offer because when you get on the sales call, the reason why you aren't closing is literally because they're confused. They're like, oh, I thought you were this, you were that. Three objectives. Great. Cool. So how can we use Instagram, the tool, the tactic to fulfill those objectives? Okay. So if not enough people are going to link in bio, let's say you have under 10K followers, unlike Timmy. Um, Timmy doesn't <laughs> understand. I'm sure he doesn't even know what that, he knows what Snap Swipe Up is. He doesn't even know what it means to go link in bio. He doesn't know what it means, so you can't relate. That's fine. I can. So if none of people are going to link in bio, literally something, sometimes use Instagram. Okay, so apparently there's a, um, a, a LinkedIn sticker, maybe not, whatever, cool. Maybe your issue is you have no CTA call to action to go link in bio, or you can use the poll sticker because if you find a lot of people engage on Instagram, use the polls and question sticker to ask questions and then at the end, ask people if they're willing to be contacted and then send them the link so that you're not asking people to do stuff, yeah? So can you see how tactical I am? I'm not just saying content creation just for content creation. I'm literally using a tactical thing and making sure it applies to the objective, which at the end applies to the uh, finance, increase in finances, okay? Another example, let's just say that not enough people are seeing your offer. A lot of people say use reels, X, Y, Z, Z, Y, X, great. What if we say that we use reels, yes, to generate traffic, I completely get that. But if there's, if there's a service or 
offer you want to use. Maybe use reels only for product um, placement, service placement. Maybe only use reels for the past customers you have used, um, so you've worked with. So anytime someone sees you for the first time, they know you're a business owner, they know you have a service, and they know that, you know, it works, right? Instead of using reels to, like, you know, twerk. Like, I don't, like, I, don't, I really don't get it. I really think people waste it or just use popular music. Like, you're still not identifying why it's not, the traffic isn't working for you, right? So can you see how detailed I am? Um, and this is just two things. I'm going to say um, other things as well, but marketing is not just content, yeah? A lot of people, like I said, have a problem with nurturing. When I say nurturing, again, it literally means that someone has shown interest, even your follower account. I don't care if they've liked your stuff or commented. If someone's commented a few times, they're interested. They're just not mm. saying it yet because they may want to keep their cards, um, their, their cards to their chest. That stir up conversation. And this is where your team comes in. I understand, you know, I'm sure Timmy's very busy. I'm sure he has a lot going on. He's the one doing TV appearances, creating the content, editing this, editing that. This is what I mean by team. Instead of just having someone to literally repost content, Get someone to do business development. And this is where my sales come in. If you identify that someone keeps saying amazing post, or for example, James, you sent giving Timmy a badge. I don't know if you've done that before, but that is so much more of a good intent compared to other people. Start, tell your staff member to start a conversation. Literally, it's not set, it doesn't have to be sleazy. It's literally, James, thank you so much for sending a badge. That I appreciate that. What hit home for you? And is there anything else you want to see? How can we serve you? That's how I got my first clients because I identified a bit more of intent and I was able to start a conversation. It's that simple. He's already, he's literally giving you money. How can some, you cannot tell me that he hasn't got good intent to even like, at least have a conversation with you. And a lot of people have that, but they're not getting it because it doesn't mean it's not an application. It's not, oh, they haven't spoke to a sales call with me. Oh, they haven't responded to my questions. Oh, and, and it hasn't directly led to um, income or finances right now. Yeah? Every, this is what I mean by team. If everyone, if your team member did this every single day, as and when, I promise you, you will have more calls. You will have more bookings. You will have more people going to LinkedIn bio because, again, we're being the 51%, which, which is what mm -hmm. Gary V says. We're, doing a, we're being a bit extra. We're doing um, a bit more in the relationship at the start to get people in. Because one day, I'm sure like Timmy is feeling now, he's doing 49. Opportunities come to him. I came to him. Like, I don't mind because I know I have to be the 51%. So there's a few more. <laughs> there's, a lot to, there's a lot to marketing. Um, but positioning, messaging, this is a big one. Finances. Let me just... Yes, a quick, please. Because you're, you're on fire right now and I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to suppress. I just want to make sure that um, the people are still with us. So if you're at home, you're listening to this, see the slowly up, um, just let us know in the, in the comments. If you run a business, if you plan on running a business, if people are sliding into your DMs, if your DMs are, um, if it's just tumbleweed in your DMs, um, if you like this intentional and tactical approach that um, Elizabeth is talking about, let us know. Um, but do continue, Elizabeth. No problem. So messaging and positioning is a downfall for everyone. And I'm going to say the word, but people don't like the N-word, niche. Okay? So <laughs> when I say niche, I don't know why people are scared and run to the hills. 
Um, but what I would say is that a lot of people literally will tell me, I know I've said it, but you know, anyway, but yeah, a lot of people will say to your face that they're just, they're an accountant. They are a, um, a finance influencer. I'm not saying that's a bad thing in itself, but if you ask them more questions, that's all they give you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's hilarious because again, when you describe yourself, it's usually when someone, when you meet someone new for the first time, so you're giving someone to work so hard to see if they can help you, want to help you. Do you know what I mean? There's just so much. So the way I define a niche is your solution, i.e. I am a recruitment for, I'm a recruitment manager for, you know, millennials. It's just with context. What do I mean by that? So let's just say you are, you want to help mums, um, you know, gain financial independence. Okay, that's cool. You could be posting free content for the rest of your life and people will still not buy it because you're giving out all the content for free. Let's be honest. But if you start with your positioning, which is your niche, your niche is the first, it's like basically the headline of your positioning. It sets the, sets the pace, right? And I will explain how it goes into finances in a second. If you say, I help mums who have quit their job because they want to be a full-time mum for over five years, now struggling to find a new job because of the... Um, gap in their CV, regain financial independence by starting a business instead of getting a new job, that is a different level of, um, you know, specificity. That is your niche. That is the, um, your solution with context. And yes, are there going to be mums who have always never worked a job in their life? Do you know, there's yes, yes. But have you found that people are attracted to you that are not necessarily within the person you want to serve in the first place? Yes. Because if you're given that content or knowledge, people are drawn to you. So that's all a niche is. It doesn't have, and, and I didn't say demographics. I didn't say a black woman who's 45, who has an English accent. That's not mm. a niche. That's just a person. I think that is rubbish because it doesn't help you. It doesn't help your team serve and find people. But if you tell me, if you tell a um, your marketing staff, okay, you were looking for, well, we want to serve moms who have not been in jobs for five years because they've looked after their kids um, full time. They want to get back into a job. They failed getting a job because of the gap, but now they want to start a business because they've given up and they don't know how to start a business. This is where we come in, as opposed to they're a 35 year old mom with two kids who live in the countryside. Like demographics doesn't help anyone picture the person's problem or pain. But if you talk about their social graphics and their psychographics, the psychographics, they, the experiences they've had, and the mindset they have, it is so easy for me to understand how a woman can be so frustrated that they're still asking her husband for money and how yeah. they, they don't, they, they feel like they're stressed because the kids are growing up, they're in school, they don't, they have much more time, they don't know what to do, they've been planned. It's so easy to be transported into that person. And that's what your team needs to do and be able to do to help follow up, right? So the, the reason why this is so easy is because like, again, a, a lot of people don't have a niche or they use their skin color, their age and their gender as their niche, which is fine. It's just, you have, tomorrow will be a new person that looks like you. And, and that's, again, something I really don't, I don't like, oh, because we're black. We're, yes, that helps. But that shouldn't be like the clutch. And let's be honest, it's true. It's true. It's, like last year, if we were black, we were booming. Like literally, let's be honest. And that's fine. But that shouldn't be the reason. It should be a byproduct. So... 
state your niche and be clear and you can always expand i think the bigger you are the more you can expand like apple people love using apple as an example let's use apple as an example they start off with one thing one niche grow cool so following on from that again again let me just say how it directly relates to finances quickly um in another way if you're able to have that kind of niche how easy it is to go to mum blogs and to pitch to do collaborations paid work to joint venture, to sell products very specific because I guarantee they have had a lot of people sell content, you know, do content, a lot of mum blogs out there. But your niche is so deep, they like no one's saying it. So it just makes it so easy to have the solution, right? So you're able to make more money. I don't care what anyone says. If you position it, what a need that is deeper, you will make more money, okay? So another big thing, I don't want to go on for too long because I can talk for England because there's a lot to it, but object, objection handling. So I go on a lot of people's pages and yeah, they say a lot of good content is amazing. Like let's talk about finances. There's a lot of content about finances. I get it. But when it comes to one, say you promote REITs as a, for example, or promote, you know, a different, like a, not a mainstream way of how to solve your solution, right? Of not having a lot of money. You say REITs. Okay, I never see any downsides. I never, you never explain to me the issues that I could have. Like there's no, there's always good, good, benefit, 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 benefit. There's no objection handling, right? So what I want you to do as business owners, everyone, is that before you started doing your business or the school that you have that you're selling, what stopped you from doing it? What stopped your, your, some of the people from doing it as in your clients or your prospects and literally objection handling and literally start with a negative like not just oh will reits work for me no i know people do that as a trick that's not what i mean i mean literally reits have underperformed in the last five years what does that mean for me now because we, because if you know that someone's interested in reach you know they've seen that they know that that's the kind of language i want you to say because if you're able to be up front then they'll have less objections the cell cycle is this much um sure longer so it's literally the shorter because you've already said it in their content if someone hasn't mm. seen it again this is where your marketing team can give you a can send out a list of faqs where it can be like okay here's all the things happening with reach now xyz zyx like if you're still interested let's have a conversation so i don't think a lot of people objection handle enough in able to to close the sales cycle which means you get more money sooner and quicker also as well the good thing about objection handling and the reason why it increases finances is because it allows you to make, sorry, it allows your customer, sorry, just to understand what life is like after. So if REITs go down for the next 20 years, at least you have set precedence on what that looks like, right? You're, you're, people are not scared. People are, people are going to do more of the work or, do, or invest more in the REITs because you've already said, look, this is what it means. This is what it looks like. If you don't say, if you say that on the sales call or when someone's interested, to me, it can seem a bit like you haven't thought about it or you don't know how to handle it if it happens. So I just really want to bear that in mind. And I'm going to say one more thing, bonus, sorry, is nurturing. <laughs> <laughs> nurturing and follow up. Let so, me just jump. Please. This with, you, you, you were talking about REITs. Um, yes. For people who don't know what those are, um, real estate investment trusts. Um, those are investments where the underlying assets are in property. So it's a way of owning property without owning physical bricks and, and mortar. So that's just what Elizabeth was referring to there. 
You also had a few comments. Um, I just want to make sure I acknowledge those people before you go on to your next point about no. Um, this is just when I ask people to chime in if what you're saying was helping. Nails by Chevelle says, so glad I tuned into this. Uh, this is amazing and giving me a lot to think about. Finance Reboot, regular on the show. Great to see you, Tash, says this is definitely a wake-up call. James said, uh, totally agree. Nails by Chevelle, love this. And Ella ensures, ah, hey, Ella, previous guest on the show as well, said she's on fire. So, um, yeah, people definitely with you and are listening to what you're saying. And um, while also say, by way of confession, before you go on to nurturing is, mm-hmm. I still don't really know what my niche is. So I need to I need to work on that. What I would say to you is that, I'll be honest, influencers, I feel like are a different ball game. Right. Um, honestly. So I feel like you can afford to because... Um, a bank will maybe want something different compared to um, a mum blog. So Mm. I would take grace with being, and I'm not just saying that, but with a business owner, I think it's easier because you get income directly from the customer. You don't. Mm. Does that make sense? So if a bank genuinely helps millions of people, like NatWest helps old people, new people, and people getting mortgage, then you doing a collaboration about mortgages, about credit cards, about savings, that makes you more money. Yeah, so that that that's sort of it. Um, there are some people within the space that have yes. niches. Topsy Taiwo um, comes yeah. to mind for people like you think of Topsy, you think of property, um, or hilarious online skits. Um, but um, yeah, I tend to I've remained general just because of the breadth of products and services that you can get from a financial services uh, exactly. company. Exactly. But this is not about me. Do tell us about. <laughs> I guess one other thing I just want to say to me is that you don't have to be niche in the products you you promote or sell. It could be the problem. Again, a problem could be through the millennials' eyes, for example. That's a niche because a niche, a millennial still will have that problem of credit cards and savings. They can't do one without the other. So it's not all about product. It's just about the problem. Again, mums who need to start a new business, they're not just going to need to know um, business finances. They need to know law. They need to learn. Do you know what I mean? So again let's we have to be adapt again niche is a bit hard to explain how to niche down but i think you do have a niche you just don't think it is a niche necessarily or haven't said it out loud okay so that's fine but yeah so nurturing and follow-up the difference between nurturing and follow-up follow-up is when someone has um you know done a sales call or that you know been in the sales process for example they've left your website and they haven't you know been a sale nurture is when someone's interested and they haven't booked a call or gone to the website etc so the reason why i categorize that is because someone who is at the sales call who has not bought has a different intent obviously a stronger intent obviously in my opinion the intent you should work on first because if you can get more sales more traffic will mean more sales if you start with more traffic it doesn't mean you'll get more sales it means more stress yeah so follow-up is has a better intent and I think it's a bit worse if people actually hear you on the phone and they don't work with you. But it happens. I'm not saying that you should get 100%. I mean that literally, um, I believe that um, either one, they don't believe that what you actually do or serve them actually doesn't solve their problem. They've, they've misaligned it or they have buyer's remorse. So they believe like, oh, yeah, this sounds good. How many times have people run away because you've said a price or a, you know, a detail? It's because they you still haven't compared, you still haven't, um, elevated what they want compared to what you need what you need which is the money 
And obviously, if you work on the sales aspect, like I said, work backwards, traffic, nurture, um, sorry, sales, traffic, nurture, you will make more revenue finances, okay? Nurturing, this is where, um, you know, a lot of you have a lot of people in your circle, in your follower list, in your connections, in your subscribers, in the people that give you money, in the people that give you badges, Patreon, all, I feel like social media has allowed nurturing to be very easy and it's allowed people to raise up their hand and to show more intent. They just haven't bought it for whatever reason. Again, like I said, this is where I believe your team should be coming in i don't believe as a ceo if you've got a team even if it's one person you should be nurturing just because i know you're probably doing the content creation the service delivery negotiation partnerships being on tv like to me all of these things i don't think i don't think you need to add to your plate to do those two things i feel like the team should do it so whether that means email in my opinion if you're on social media dms video um voice note or text is is, is literally a very very easy way to break the ice like I said, you don't need to say, hey, why haven't you bought? No, just say, look, thank you for giving me badges. Thank you for liking my stuff. What resonates with you? How can I serve you better? I promise you that will create more leads. Sorry, more sales bookings or page views or like however you sell your product because you're being the 51% that like Gary V says. So yeah. that's, that's, that's it. That's on the top level, what I'm saying. That, um, the point you just made about DMs being a great way to break the ice, um, reminds me of another great marketing um, account that I follow, um, uh, the BKH. Yep. He mentioned once that Instagram were going to patch out the uh, story responses. So, you know, when like you do a story and then people can do like a smiley face or flames or whatever. Yeah. Um, if they do do that, that's actually very sad because I don't DM people, I think ever. And that's because my page has been duplicated a number of times. And, yes. uh, the duplicates then DM people and try and sell them like dodgy courses. So I just don't DM people. But when people DM me, I then respond back. And that little emoji interaction is a great way to do that. I think it's a sh it'll be a shame if they get rid of that because DMs, um, as you say, are a great way to break the ice. We've had two people use the question cards, Elizabeth. I'm going to take those questions. Sure. That's okay. Um, Okay, so it's a two-parter. It's from James. Uh, the first is, um, if Elizabeth were the CEO of a startup, what would be the most important first marketing hire? And what has been, what has been your favorite marketing campaign that you've ever done or seen? So the first question is, what would be the most important marketing hire? Second question, favorite campaign that you've done or seen? Thank you, James. I love this question. So not a social media manager. So um, I would say a generalist. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's so funny because people say specialist, specialist, specialist. So if you think about it, a Facebook, a Facebook ads person, a VA is even a specialist in their own right. A social media manager is a specialist. We need a generalist. What do we call a generalist in marketing terms? A digital marketing executive or a marketing assistant or a marketing coordinator. These are three special, sorry, three generalist roles that corporate you start looking in corporate if you don't believe me because i've done those roles that corporate understand they need because they realize obviously that i i don't care if your business is all on social media at the end of the day to get so you either call them or use a website or even customer service that is not on instagram right yeah so those three titles those are a bit different i'm uh, gonna explain it now the assistant is the uh, is the most junior 
um, marketing executive is the middle and the um, coordinator because they coordinate staff is the most senior, depending okay. on what you need. So that's my answer. You need a generalist. And what I mean by generalist, they do social media, but they also look at their websites. They, when I say website, maintaining it, they also start to talk to you as the CEO, as in, okay, in terms of sales, what has worked for you or what has people said they need from you specifically so we can replicate that. Because remember I said, if you objection handle in the marketing stage, you will make a lot more people realize that they are happy to work with you just because they're not sure. And or they can round up for you, your part, because a lot of people, especially including you to me, I don't see much proof, and this could be on purpose, of you working with people directly, not with brands, but directly. And this is another thing that people don't feel like they do enough. Like they, you have mm. 2 million clients. I don't know, you've worked with one. So just getting, just getting someone to help you pull that information out from your head or Google spreadsheet and just using it as marketing collateral in general. So it's on your website, it's on your social media, it's on your press clippings and just helping you with the follow-up and et cetera. And that's the first answer. Matt, that, what was the second question again? Sorry to me. Second question was favorite campaign that you've done or seen? Um, favorite that I've done. Okay, so okay, so one one campaign. I'm gonna say one that I've done and one that I've seen. So first of all, Glossier. I really do believe that Glossier is a great um, business, and I wish I could think of one in the UK um, that is does the fifty one percent. But I just love how how um, every little thing has its own purpose but it's not forceful. So what I mean by that, with Glossier, the reason why I say that is because um, they use, they actually purposely only use non-famous influencers, like nano-micro-influencers, right? That's on purpose. And what I love, if you go to one of these nano-influencers' pages, they have a glossier.com forward slash their name link, and it's so detailed. It's not just, oh, 30% off. A lot of influencers, with all due respect, they just say, here's 30% codes. No, they, Glossier took it a step further and created their own page full of their top picks, you know, vlogs, whatever have you. It's their own little place, home. So one, that is a lot more like welcoming for that influencer, let alone to promote it, let alone for me to understand. Because at the end of the day, I still need to find out what I want. And if someone looks like me from Glossier, who's an influencer, I may want to copy exactly what their routine is, not look for yeah. it myself and do it. So it just makes everything a lot more easier and simpler, simple, but simple. I, I completely agree with that. I think that brands should, um, like if you're using content creators or influencers to promote your stuff, rather than transactionally and have them, oh, hey, Crystal, I can see Crystal in the, in the comments, rather than do it transactionally, and be like, we're releasing a product, please can you tell people about it? <laughs> Way better to ask the content creator to use your product and to talk about how it's been of use to you. Like I did a post um, over the weekend of like a way in which I use WhatsApp, which yes. 50% 50 of the people hadn't heard of it before and then 50% of the people were like, I do this. And it was just like, create a group with one other person, delete the other person from the group, and then you'll be left with a group to yourself that you can use as a file transfer slash to-do list. Like that wasn't an ad for WhatsApp, but that's, that's the sort of content that they should be doing rather than we've released a new feature, <laughs> tell everyone, and this many people see it, this many people will click because that's sort of did, been done before. So I do agree with what you were, you were saying there, Elizabeth. Sorry to jump in. No, it's, it's fine. And I think, again, um, brands, 
um, instead of giving scripts and being very like in a container of what they should or shouldn't say, yeah, give them, <laughs> give them freedom. Yeah, give them the freedom. But what you should be doing for them is, like I said, if you look at, um, I can't remember a Glossier influencers um, URL, but create URLs. So for NatWest, um, www.natwest.com forward slash Timmy, like there's no issue. You can, the traction, the tracking, sorry, the data will be so, so much more precise because you can see what they click, what they like. And also you can add to it, it's your flavor, it's your source. And you genuinely feel like a part of their brand. And because everything is on their URL, you don't need to stress about, oh, here's 50% off. Is it Timmy? Is it Timmy over two? Like, it's literally a URL. So mm. I think go the extra mile in that way, not necessarily in what they should say. Um, and and obviously, when it comes to the actual campaign sides, that's one thing, in, in like, by far. But they use their, their products, because um, I mainly work with service, they use their products. So they build it in a way that is Instagrammable. Like I said, Instagram isn't the platform, but it's the tactic to improve what they want. And obviously, they wanted user-generated content. So they made sure that the stickers was packaged in a way and all of that stuff. They had stickers in the first place, so they could put it on their... People can use it on their phone, their fridge, their laptop, etc. The products had stickers where if you literally just open the box, you know when you do an unboxing, people naturally do that. So when you do an unboxing with your phone, it's very Instagrammable, you know it's Glossier, you know it looks pretty, all of that, that is very taken care of. So user-generated content, again, is an easy way, which is, again, what I said before. A lot of people, of you have clients, I will never know. <laughs> no one knows. And user-generated content is the other side, where it's less of a, oh, do this, say this, say testimonial, but it's like, you do how you, you act how you naturally act when you have my products or service, but I just want you to pull it on social so people can see the natural reaction that you have. Yeah, tribute back to them. I'm going to do a Mr. Money Draft first, Elizabeth, and I'm actually going to cut this conversation short because no I've got a question for you, but um, I want to get you on again. I think the stuff that you've been saying has been so useful and um, the questions I've been coming in have been testament to that. So Thank you. Um, let's pick up after this and talk about when we can do a part two of this mm -hmm. growing finances piece i'd love to come on to the um rapid fire questions sure. if i'm and um oh, james has said in the comments thank you so much for answering my questions really appreciate no it no problem james just to say again like james is the founder of bequest so it's a online platform that aims to take the um almost the stress and the complication out of the creation of a will or getting life insurance and i did a live will writing session with james a couple of weeks ago excellent excellent product really helped me out. Um, but yes, on to the rapid fire questions. Oh, um, and the bank engine, great to see the bank engine. Look forward to part two, this is super interesting. Yes, thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Um, first rapid fire question is, what's been your biggest financial achievement to date, Elizabeth? Making money in my business by far. This year, I've Mm, I probably like six x how much I charged only last year, and that for me is mind blowing. So wow. yeah, I'm so I'm so thankful that someone has seen me and I'm able to charge so much more. It wasn't mathematical, so yeah, by far. Awesome, awesome stuff. Um, what one piece of money advice would you have given to yourself ten years ago? Um. Saving isn't a restriction, a strict restrictment. It doesn't restrict me. 
it is not taken away it's adding for the future and i'm still learning that <laughs> <laughs> i'm still learning that guys um so just looking at savings as because savings i believe if you have it it solves a lot of problems because you have the habit and you have the actual money to move and do and make more choices um so just having the mindset that savings isn't taken away it's literally something you can do regardless of how much you make yeah um you're foregoing today's consumption so that you can use it down the line and if you invest those savings and by the time you come back to it down the line you'll have more than what you put away in the first place exactly. just the general um if you were to win the lottery let's say you were to win 10 million pounds how would you allocate that money um buying my family's my family a house each um mortgage free um, yeah. I would buy, yeah, I would buy, I would have a chef. I would have a full-time chef, a full-time housekeeper, um, and a, uh, yeah, and obviously a house to maintain it. And I would spend the rest on investments, including REITs, because I'm not the biggest, I don't want a million tenants, um, I don't mind tenants, but I don't want a load of them. So I'd rather invest in the meats like we spoke before. Um, and just invest it, invest it, invest it. So I can make sure that um, I have, hopefully, at least a million invested. Because at 4%, that is 40 grand a year. That is an okay, livable, in London, livable. It may not be amazing, but that's a good start to live off. No, I think it's, um, I'll do the quick. So 40K divided by 12 yeah, that's like three three grand and a third a month. That's good. And that that's indefinitely as well if the money's in, exactly. in an asset. Um, you've got your chef, you've got your housekeeper. So literally all your time is freed up to just exactly. add more. Exactly. I love it. Very strategic. <laughs> answer. I've been make. listening to your lives. So I had to think about it. So I made sure that I tried to be a bit more specific. <laughs> awesome. What are your long-term money goals? To be financially, definitely financially independent of all debt, including student loan. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else? Yeah, to have a, a six-figure net worth. I'm not ashamed to say it. Yeah. Do you have a time horizon for that? Or are you just going to build and then... Um, I believe in under three years, I can yes oh yes i can yeah um i believe in three years i can be um completely debt free of any debt but i've uh -huh. just hired a financial coach to help me with the mathematical calculations to improve my net worth as well so yeah i don't know yet <laughs> awesome um ella said that was a great spend that's under 10 million and eve said my saying from myself in regards to savings is if you don't save you are only buying your own brokenness that's Ooh. very because um, if you think about, you know, like big purchases do come, emergencies do come. And if you don't have savings, you will invariably have to rely on debt to meet those expenses. Yeah. And then you'll need to pay that debt back someone and like say what you like. Like people don't lend you money out of the goodness of their hearts. Like there will be an APR on that at some point, And then that's how you kind of get into that whole thing. So, um, yeah, definitely big fans of savings over here on the Mr. Money Jar Show. Um, what does, um, oh, and the final question, what does success mean to you? 
fulfilling my purpose, not my passion, every um, as much as possible in this lifetime to serve so I can serve myself. I love that. Yeah, I, um, I think a lot of people, especially women, we're very good at serving others, but then we lose ourselves. Um, and, I, and, you know, when I have children, all of that, I want to make sure that I'm able to still serve so I can serve myself and not deplete myself, including money, um, time, energy. Nothing more to add to that. I think <laughs> thought that was an awesome answer. Um, before we wrap up, do you have any questions for me? Yes, I know you recently got married. Congratulations. Um, and I guess just top tips on how to navigate, because I'm sure you were talking about finances with your fiancé way longer before, but for someone who is just, not me personally, but I've been, I'm in a committed relationship, what conversations or what topics do you start conversating about, especially if you're very different financially. What I mean is that I know a lot of couples that one is really good with money, has good credit, good finances, one has poor credit, bad finance, but they're living together and they can't do a joint account and all of that stuff. So how do you start having conversations to be in the middle and not deplete yourself or the other person? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, thank you for the congratulations. I was actually, I recorded a podcast earlier on today with um, a woman called Carla of Rethink Tax. She's also on uh, Instagram, great page and really awesome tax specialist she is and um i will say to her, i'll say to you what i said to her which is when it comes to talking about finances me and my wife started out small and we started out with the things that we were doing together anyway and then we built from there so we went through a phase of going out to nando's every week and that became the touch point that we used to talk about our finances so we started out you know paying on separate cards but then we're like, actually, this is a fact. So why don't we um, get out a, like a joint account and then we can do all of our eating out spend on that because it's a really important part of our lives. That then invariably leads to other conversations like how much do we want to spend on eating out every month? Would we rather go to a fancy restaurant less often or go to a less fancy restaurant on a weekly basis? And it just gets you when you, when you start having these conversations, it doesn't really matter what you're talking about you're practicing the art of talking about money with someone else and you're doing it about you're doing it in regards to something that's quite comfortable and that you both understand so when time came for us to move in with each other and to talk about bills rent you know the more adulty serious stuff and then that would then go on to be talking about you know buying a house together we'd already done the practice on the small stuff so i would just say don't feel like you need to dive into the super serious, like how much debt are you in or like what net worth do you want to have 10 years from now? Just start with the small things, eating out, going to the cinema and involve each other in those conversations and build from there. That's what worked for me. That's really good advice. I haven't heard that part about, you know, taking it easy, basically. So I'm definitely going to take some tips. Awesome, awesome stuff. Um, I've already said that I'd love to get you back for a part two so we'll touch base about that but before you sign off anything you want to plug and or anyone you want to shout out yeah I just want to shout out the financial resources I have been exposed to like I said um, I've like have a financial coach an accountant not just any accountant but my accountant is my financial coach Benedicta okay um benny ratio oh, yeah oh she's she's my she was my client first 
um, right. and then now is revolving now. So and it's just so beautiful to have a full well um, a heart full picture of like working with someone who is so smart. Obviously, with you as well, I've been following you as a consumer. Money medics, Ashley, especially that she has been so supportive in my journey. Um, in the personal side, I've got Benedicta in the business side, you know, and I've got all these resources. I think the financial financial space is one of the most well developed influencer markets, uh, and I'm just honoured that I, I have people that I can phone saying, "Can you help me?" and free resources as well. So yeah, that's all I want to shout. And if anybody wants more information, I know I said a lot of tactical stuff. Please don't feel any way to DM me. I'm here to serve. And any questions you have, or if you want me to repeat anything, let me know. Thank you, Elizabeth. Um, everyone that's been Elizabeth from the Clinic of Marketing, make sure to keep your eyes peeled because you'll be coming back on the show sometime soon. Thank you, Elizabeth, for coming. And, you know, normally we have a show slash podcast episode. Thank you for delivering a seminar today. It was <laughs> no problem. Thank you. And I got from it personally for my business as well. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. Um, really a highlight of my week to see you all in the comments, asking questions, making um, making observations about the live. We'll be back at the same time next week with another special guest. But until then, take care. Thank you, Bye -bye. everyone. Bye.